0: In a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory, one podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. And, you know, "quote unquote" queen. Um, so, give us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, then we'll get into the next step of the questions.
1: Sure. So, I basically can turn any idea into a business, and any business into a more profitable one. I started back when I was ten years old. Actually, ran a whole bunch of businesses as a kid, as a teenager, and uh, spent about six and a half years as the CIO of a multinational nonprofit. So for those who don't know what a CIO is, it basically stands for chief information officer. It means that I ran all the information systems. I actually built their databases. um, And then I worked with an external team to upgrade them, to create them as online databases. I built them back in the early 2000s when not everything lived in the cloud yet. So... I did also complex budgets. My background though is in marketing. So that's where my degree is. And when I went to start my own company over in 2011, I was very stuck between marketing and systems. And so what I do now, I like to tell people, most business owners get stuck either on sales or systems or both. If you've mastered both, you're successful. If you're stuck somewhere then the business isn't moving the way it needs to. And so that's what I do most of the time. I run Strand Consulting. We grew, actually just recently, I hired three new people in the last couple of months. Thank God we've been growing. Three new people, yeah. Wow. Well, not they weren't all new. One was brand new and two had been with me as kind of independent contractors, very part-time, and I brought them in as regular staff.
0: How does that feel to grow your business to that kind of level in such a, I mean, I know you've been working on this business for a couple of years now. How does that feel to really bring it to the next level and bring new employees on?
1: I love it. I always wanted to manage a lot of people. I've been hiring since I was a secretary. Whenever something comes my way that I'm not, that's not, how do I say this? That I don't really want to do or that I'm not really good at, I hire. So even when I was a secretary back in my late teens and my boss handed me this big data entry project, I just looked at him and said, listen, this is not my skill set. So either I'll hire someone, you'll pay me my hourly and I'll pay them less, or just give this to somebody else and I'll oversee it. So I've been doing that all my years, no matter what my position was. And uh, I love two things about it. I love the opportunity to create wealth for others. It's what I do with my whole day job, right? My whole business is helping people earn more money. And so I love it that I can do that with my company and I can do it within my company that I can pay people salaries, I can create work opportunity for people. And I don't know, I'm just bossy. A typical oldest child. I like delegation. I like giving things over. I love that more can happen without my actual time involvement. I love it that when I take a couple days off, everything keeps moving and it moves faster and better than I could do it on my own because I'm hiring people whose skill sets are complementary to mine and people who can do things that I can't do.
0: Right. So so I like like everything about it. So you like tapping into people's strengths in terms of their ability to say as well, you, SD don't know or are not qualified to do something X, Y, Z. And since you're not qualified or you know that they could do it better, you'll say, "As well, if you could do it better, go run with it.
1: Of course. And that's what I teach all my clients as well. You know, you get only so far. And I, you know, I've been, I'm a jack of all trades, master of some. There's a lot of things I can do. And at the same time, there's a whole lot that I can't. So I'm not... I'm familiar with graphic design programs, but my designer is way faster than me. I'm familiar with some basic coding languages. There's a whole bunch that I don't speak. And when we get into complicated web stuff, I am completely lost without my programmer. So there are things that I just can't do for my clients that without my staff, we wouldn't be capable of. And then there are things that I'm not great at. I'm really bad at tedious work. We installed a a new database system internally the last couple of months. And uh, it would make me absolutely crazy to be the one entering all the information.
0: Right. So you've basically identified your strengths, which is great. Uh, Identified your strengths and identified the places where you're just, um, you know, I don't want to say lacking because you are familiar with these skills and most people are familiar with the basic understanding of whether it's data entry, some basic coding, um, you know, graphic design you mentioned. And you say, well, I know I could do them, but it would take me more time to do those as opposed to finding someone who's really good at it. Um, so I'd rather do is find those people and hire them and tap into their strengths and allow me to tap into mine.
1: For sure, and also enjoyment. I love what I do. I love talking to clients. I love giving them breakthroughs and paradigm shifts. I love building strategies, building creative campaigns, creating systems from a, a theoretical and even a tactical perspective, but not the actual like, okay, now let's build the Excel. Now let's research the database. Now let's code the database. I would much rather give over the architecture, give over the structure, and then someone else can do the plugging. I don't enjoy it, but they do. And I think we're all so so much more successful when we do something that we enjoy.
0: Absolutely. Um, so after de- hearing about yourself and hearing about your successes over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and I know that I, you and I have kind of interacted many times over the last couple of years, um, you work with small businesses, you work with CEOs, you work with executives, and so many other different people who are at that level um besides the business issues that you work with them and you kind of mentioned it before that you kind of tap into their strengths that you tap into their you know you go deep into certain top topics how do you help them move ahead beyond just the business problem which is let's call it a number problem or a staffing problem how do you get them to that that point
1: uh can you be a little more specific give me like an example like what sure. would you be referring to
0: Sure. Um, there's a lot of times business issues, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear, um, a lot of times the business issues are not necessarily just a financial issue and it's not necessarily just a staffing issue. It's a lot of times there's something deeper to it in terms of whether it's getting them to listen to themselves or listen to something that's, you know, what's not being said within their team or what's not being said within their, envi- their work environment. And how do you get them to, how do you get as a consultant, how do you get your, your customer, your clients? to work to, to listen to that deeper conversation, that deeper um, space that sometimes is not, is not necessarily apparent right away.
1: Got it. Okay, now I think I understand the question. So if I were to translate that, it's kind of you know, hearing what's not being said, if you will, exactly. or even hearing the own undercurrent of your own thoughts that you're not acknowledging. Exactly. Okay. So to start, I have radar. Um, mm-hmm. I almost immediately see that myself. My training that's is
0: ADD for you. Shh. What? That's ADD for you.
1: I'm not ADD though. Isn't that impressive?
0: Yeah, that's it's ADD.
1: I'm not ADD. <laughs> I'm really okay. not. I okay. know we checked because I have a whole bunch of family members who are. And so we've been through all the assessments and we know all the various um, moving parts. So again, not that I would mind being it. I think the strengths are incredible. It's just not my strengths. At okay, but so my my intuition just comes from a different place. I think, mm-hmm. and again, ADD people. I know one of my kids is super intuitive in that way, and it's definitely one of his ADD strengths. That it, that's where it comes from. Um, I think for me, it doesn't come from the same place. I read people. I've been like that for a long time. It definitely comes from someplace in my history that maybe I'd rather not go into, but I definitely okay. read people. I've always been like that. And being a problem solver, always trying to identify exactly what the problem is. So, and I'm very blunt. I'll actually say it straight out to a client. I'll very often try to use parables to explain it. So I'll give you an example. I got a guy who called me and he had a, an issue with sales. Yeah. So, and again, part of it is just zeroing in on the issue. So I always do an intake and I have training as a coach also. I don't like blast it out because I think there are way too many coaches out there who lean so heavily on it. But what I do with my clients is a blend of coaching, consulting, teaching. So he comes to me, he's like, I have an issue with sales, not getting so many of them. Like... Not really any of them. And so, but he's telling me, you know, okay, so I did this website and I've got this strategy and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I did this professional, this, and I have that, that, and I did this with this client and I have that client. And like after 10, I let him go, I think for like 12 minutes. And I just said, can I pause you? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay, listen, just between us, if this is going to work, I'm not going to tell this to anybody else. I'm just going to tell this to you between us, based on everything you've told me so far, you have not a clue what you are doing. And he was just shocked. Silence. <laughs> and he's like, I said, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to insult you, but if this is going to work, I, you know, this is my style. It's blunt. And we have to just put all our cards on the table. Every single thing you're telling me might sound great to somebody else, but I know what it all means. It means that you're nervous and you're scared and you've paid a ton of money to get a whole lot of stuff done. And you've got not a clue how to make this work. And we have a very good relationship. And after a couple hours of training, he did half a million in sales.
0: That's impressive. Half a million in sales and, <laughs> and nothing else, another word to say, but impressive. Half a million dollars in sales. Thanks. And um, so how did, when you tapped into that, what, what was his response initially versus how you got him to say is, well, you know what, that's actually correct. Meaning like, there's obviously <laughs> something beyond just like, okay, we got to improve our sales because that's half a billion dollars in sales doesn't happen by just saying we have to improve our sales.
1: Right. No. So To be fair, it is a very high-end product. The product itself is a few hundred thousand dollars. So he just has to sell a few of them, but at the same time, it's very hard to sell a few hundred thousand dollar products. And we also worked on presentation. We worked on negotiation and we worked on the pricing structure of the actual product to make it more palatable to people. So we worked on a lot of technicalities, but the first thing is to kind of break through what I would say is the key issue, which is just acknowledging what's really going on that we really don't have it all together. And that's not the truth for everybody. Everybody is so unique and so different in terms of where they are, what their issue is. So it's it's breaking it down, but hitting it head on and helping the person. So he just said to me, he's like, okay, I'm listening. Right.
0: And, and how do you think that, how do you think that, uh, like when he got to that aha moment, like, wow, someone finally understood me, which is you. Uh, how do you think that person, you know, the other person on the, on the side of the other side of the table, like kind of got to what would you think he was like, he's like, okay, I'm just going to accept it. Or was he more of like, I can't believe that you got to this point. What do you think he was feeling at that moment?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I have found that generally people say to me, I can't believe you got here. Like I had another guy wrote me an email after our first meeting. I did a core branding. So when I do core branding with a small business, it's really just getting very deep into the business owner's drive and motivations for that business. Small business lives and dies on its owner, for sure in its early stages. And this guy wrote me an email. He said, "Esti, you knew me better in 29 minutes than I knew myself for 30 years. Right. I was like blown away. But I'll give, I'll give you another example. So I had this guy who has a major staffing problem. It's a big company. They're turning over millions of dollars in sales and profit because it's a small it's a service business. And so their margins are very, very good. So man, the guy's a multimillionaire. Yeah. And he's still working 70-hour work weeks. And he can't stop. He cannot get the right people in place. And so, I, again, we did an intake... And already in the intake, I saw that something was off. And I said, OK, describe to me this hire that we're trying to get. And he describes the guy. And I just said to him, you're never going to find him. He's like, what do you mean? I said, he doesn't exist. I said, you're looking for someone who's this, 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 and this. That profile either does A or B or C or is pretend. And so you could spend 10 years looking for him. You're never going to get him. He's like, oh, my God, you're right. So I think sometimes it's just really pointing out facts. Again, I'm not just throwing things out in the air. I'm basing them on something. This guy has a problem. He has a sneech for his head of HR. Um, A sneech is a cross between a snake and a leech. The guy is conniving and also makes the boss feel like he can't live without him. So he's a sneech. That's another problem with his staff. (laughs) So he's got a bunch of staffing issues. And I think it's just a matter... I'm very analytical. So it's kind of getting to identifying the problem. And then describing it for me in a very straightforward way to the client, you can't really ignore it when I say it, because I'm not basing it on nothing. I'm base I'm gonna show you where I pulled it from.
0: Right. So when you're listening to you're listening to a lot of the things that are either being said or the way they're say, describing these things. Which is a lot more than just like a we'll call it a business pro- a traditional business problem, right? Staffing is a traditional business problem, but hearing that what the what the re- core issue is is not necessarily you know it's not a staff problem. It's more of you're you're listening to what they're saying and what they're not saying, and taking it and 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 kind of like either validating it or bringing them to a new con- new conclusion that they might not have recognized before,
1: right? Typically, B. Typically a new conclusion because if they didn't need a new conclusion, they don't need me. I'm I'm most valuable when I can show them something new, a different spin, a different angle. I have yet to have a situation where I don't do that. I just had someone today, actually, right before our meeting, our numbers, and uh, I wanted to find a specific metric. Basically, we divided up... Um, her B2B and her B2C sales. Yeah, so this is a product and she's got a bunch of wholesale sales and she's got a bunch of um, direct-to-consumer sales. So we divided up out of total sales, 83% was wholesale and 17% was retail, if you will. It was more online and trade show, but okay, retail, let's say, direct-to-consumer. So I said, this is not a good enough metric for me. I want to know percentage of profit. Because, again, our gut feeling was that direct-to-consumer has way higher margins. We know that. But how high and how does it compare if 83% is B2B? And so we got the stats. And she basically said, like, Estee, you're wasting my time. I know this. I already know that I need to do more B2C. I already know that the margins are higher. I said, no, wait for the magic number. And so we came out that it was kind of... We didn't have exact numbers of items sold, just for whatever reason, leave that aside. But we did guesstimates. I said, you know, let's guess the numbers. We're very within range, okay? And within a few thousand dollars when you're talking about close to a million in sales is okay to get a basic understanding. We came out that with 83% of revenue coming from wholesale, only 53% of profit was wholesale, that's major, right. okay? That's 17% of retail sales brought in 47% of profits tells us we need a completely different strategy. She's right. like, oh, I'm like, see, you're just looking at me. Like, oh, I'm wasting my time. I know these numbers. No, you did not know that number. Right. That is a really significant number. So it comes from all angles. Sometimes it's understanding the person and the psychology and what their struggle is. You know, one client, and it was... Um, just a complete and utter terror of being poor that really? made her make a lot of bad business decisions. And for some, it's you know, not wanting to face their numbers or not understanding how they need to look at their numbers. So sometimes I'll do that. And I guess that's where I've been able to combine my skill sets, right? So a combination of marketing systems and financials and bring that as a blend. Sometimes what someone thinks is their problem is not their problem. Sometimes I don't have to lower costs. I just have to go more B to C.
0: Right, and when you uh, that's and that's kind of really what I'm trying to get here is that sometimes it's not necessarily, uh, like you said, it's not a sales problem. It's not a money problem. It's a it's either the owner's problem or how the owner interacts with their staff or how the owner interacts with the customers of their you know of their product, whatever the product may be. It could be anything. Um, it's more about how they do um, with turnover. Right.
1: And she's like, I have to end the turnover. And I basically, again, this was like a very quick, a very quick meeting. Um, This was at a conference. I'll sometimes do like open hours at different conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was just like, I don't know, maybe a 20, 30 minute, like a, a small, a short session. Even in that time, I was like, the issue is not, is not the Extremely critical. And so no one wants to keep working for you. She's like, what do you mean? You're an idiot. You're, I'm like, yeah. Can I just case in point right here? Yeah. <laughs> like I just want to point out that you just started speaking abusively to me in case you didn't notice. Because I noticed and that is how you speak to your staff. And by the way, that's how you speak to yourself. And I'm going to guess that's how you were spoken to growing up. And that is when you cannot keep a person for more than a few months because they are miserable. So either hire someone in between you and them, or go do some personal work on how you communicate. And even better, do some personal work on how you communicate to yourself because you're not going to realize this is an issue until you can talk to yourself nicer.
0: Okay. So that's, that's already like a, that's like a, like a, you know, to me, that's like a, a, a total, uh, you kind of total case in point of what people are really getting to in terms of the law called the soft skill. It's not like a necessarily a hard business skill, but that soft skill of knowing themselves and knowing how to work with other people and also to know how to interact with other people um, is not something that they teach you. At, if they don't teach you that at business school, but they, like I, I'll be very honest. Um, they don't teach no, you that. No, they
1: should no. though. They'd be extremely valuable. Negotiation skills also. Although yeah. to be fair, my brother um, is in his third year of Harvard Law. They have the most incredible class in negotiation. I'm dying to go to the class he took this past year. It really did teach him all of this stuff. So we just need every business school to do what
0: Harvard Law does. Yeah well, it's, it's interesting that it's at law school and not at business school that they're teaching negotiation skills. Um, I know. I mean,
1: maybe they do in business also, but I don't have any relatives in Harvard Business School.
0: Right. Uh, no, my, 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 the core of you know what I'm trying to get to here, and as I think you know, more and more people are realizing, is that there's something beyond just the traditional business skills that are people need to know when they're running their business, and they have to tap into that You know, that area, whether it's a personal issue that they have to get over, whether it's an issue of how they interact with people, whether it's how they approach their strategy, that they have to, there's some sort of emotional intelligence involved. um, And it's not just about, you know, oh, I have a great idea. I'm going to just raise all the money I need. And now I can make the product and make millions of dollars. There's something beyond that and how they interact with everyone and how they interact with themselves that is far beyond just another product that they can sell online or in whatever online or offline. It doesn't make a difference. So For sure. And the business will
1: live and die on those skills, by the way. So if someone in the company has it, then you have a chance of surviving, even if the founder doesn't. But if nobody does, the whole thing will die. You could have the best numbers. You could have the best margin. You could be first to market. You could be at the peak of a saturated market. You could be anything. If you cannot manage people and you cannot manage yourself, the whole thing's going to fall apart. If not sooner, than later. So you might have a good run for a year or two, but you won't have something stable.
0: Right. That's exactly what I was trying to, that's exactly what, you know, I'm trying to, or not only me, but like the goal of this podcast and also in general is like people need to realize that. Now, when you, when you, when you kind of work with your clients and you're know, especially the examples that you've given so far, are there any kind of examples that you could say as well, when you get, when they get to this realization, they, you're, they're just like, wow, I really have to shift everything from A to Z.
1: So I don't think there's any one realization and I don't think that someone who's successful has to shift A to Z. No, that's not true. I'm going to take that back because I'm thinking of an example where that just happened. Never mind. Um, this was the example. I had someone actually who was actually a guest on my show. If you go to, guys, you're all listening to a podcast right now. You've got to go listen to Business Breakthrough with S.D. Rand, where you hear people have these paradigm shifts in real life. So they talk about their struggle and I, we, we work through
0: this live for so some which, of them. Which episode is um, it? You want to tell me which episode? So this
1: is episode. Yeah. I think it might've been, I want to say 24, but I can check with oh. Meredith Crawford and it's called email marketing for millions. So she worked for a bunch of so this big email marketing company and she did incredible work from analytics, from analytical perspective. Um, and she worked for like, they did campaigns for the Venetian, for Disney, massive corporations. And then she went to open her own thing. And she was just kind of being one of these generic marketing companies. You're like, yeah, we do marketing. We could do websites. We could do brandings. And I basically said to her, Meredith, no offense, but like, no, this is not your skill set. Again, not that you can't do it. I'm sure you can, but your really strong skill is the analytics and the numbers and the financial modeling and all of this stuff. I said, you need to be a marketer's marketer. You're totally in the wrong line of work. Why would you be a generic marketing firm where you have to go after the customers and you have five billion competitors that look just like you when you could become a marketer's marketer and you could kind of be the back end of all these other marketing agencies that don't have any of the skills you do because they're creatives and they're out there and they're great salespeople and you're so much more analytical? And so she actually did a total pivot.
0: Really? So it's actually episode two. She
1: emailed me right like a week before the show went live. She's like, hey, SD. So by the way, I did a total pivot and I kind of redid my business. I have a new website and I totally like that advice. And I just did a complete 180 on it. So I've had that happen. And again, it comes from, I've had that happen. It comes from, you know, because it really depends on the problem, you know, and some people won't acknowledge it. Like abusive lady who I met at that conference, again, She never called me back. And that tells me that she probably never did anything with what I told her. It was way over her head. I'll try to usually kind of build people up slowly. If I only have 20 or 30 minutes with someone, I'm going to just hand it to them. And if they can handle it, they'll come back. And if not, they won't. But it's a process usually you know, nobody can pivot overnight. You've got to Absolutely. absorb, you've got to be ready and willing to absorb. And, uh, and then it's a matter of, look, my guy, the one who has the Sneech, okay. We're like nine months later, snitch is still there. I'm still working on him. It's very, very challenging. It's very hard for him to let it go.
0: Is it hard from the perspective of the your client or is it hard from the perspective that the client is hard is is difficult is having a tough tough time saying is i need to get rid of this snitch there's a difference
1: he can't get rid of him he can't get rid of him um from an Mm -hmm. emotional perspective not a technical perspective from a technical perspective i could find him someone else very quickly who would be better it's it's an emotional perspective because again the guy's a snitch he's a snake leech my client feels Mm -hmm. stuck with him because he's done his job well and I am still working on the client to kind of know. But he says to me, he's like, (laughs) just a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I said, by the way, just because we've been working on some other stuff and working on some financials and some other things. I said, by the way, I noticed that the snitch is still here. He's like, yeah, but Esty, you don't understand. He's doing better. We had a little conversation. He's been stepping up. I said, you know, it doesn't change his core personality, right? He said, I know. It's okay. Just we're on the same page.
0: So to me that sounds like you know you're getting somewhere with clients because they're they're kind of tapping into something and they're and they're you know they're reaching into themselves they're reaching into something within their business that's advancing the business more than just numbers which is great and also the numbers are growing obviously but sometimes you obviously get to these points where the 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 the, the customer or the in your case the clients and their businesses um sometimes re- reach these points where they're, you know, kind of like a, either a plateau or some sort of downhill stage, or they're just kind of like, they're having a bigger challenge than, than they expected, or than they probably predicted originally. Um, mm-hmm. How do you get them? How do you get them through that?
1: So again, it really depends what it is. I would say for me, you know, every single client I think the reason that I took a coaching course and not a counseling course, because I wanted to help people. I can't deal with people's problems because I absorb them. I like live and breathe them. And uh, to be a psychologist or a psychotherapist, I think would make me... I think I would need a full-time therapy <laughs> to be, if I had to be a therapist, because I would absorb everybody's problems. So I think part of it is I'm there to support them. And I think for anybody who's struggling with something in their business having a support network, somebody or a few somebodies who are knowledgeable is a tremendous asset. I won't give up on people either. So I'm trying to think there's an example. And again, because we do the whole spectrum. So it's not just like figuring out a problem. This is because you're talking about this I'm bringing in a lot of the coaching pieces, but well, we're a strategic consulting firm. Someone comes to us for a product launch or a service launch. This was a launch of a series of online courses. And so, you know, we figured out the strategy, we assessed the target, we did an online launch, we built the website, Figured out the credit processing, like everything from zero to a hundred, got the whole thing out. And then the turnout was lower than she had hoped. It wasn't lower than I expected. I was actually quite impressed. We had like 15 people from our initial launch with very, very little in ad spend, like a couple hundred dollars, like very little. We really networked, we leveraged a a large personal network to the best of our ability. And, uh, you know, for the client, it was very challenging. She's like, wow, I thought we'd have like a hundred people. I'm like, no, walking out the door with 15 is actually pretty good for for a, you know out-the-door launch. But we're going to keep going. So I don't believe that you need to try harder. You need to try different. Right. right. The famous Albert Einstein quote of uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So we're not going to keep trying harder or more. If something's not working, we're going to try different. And there are so many different options for everything that people are doing. So one of the ways if something isn't working is we try different. I don't need to try harder. I don't need to do more of something that isn't working well. I need to do something different.
0: Okay. And tap, uh, speaking of different, when when you approach a client to tell them, no, let's try something different as opposed to what you've been doing, or now that we've kind of done a full intake, when you do a full intake uh, of your of your client and you start doing an assessment of their work, which is very much, you know, we'll call it the clinical approach as opposed to a business approach meaning you take an intake you do there you kind of assess what's going on you kind of understand what's going on um you know that's not necessarily we'll call it a a traditional business approach to how you do things um and when you get to that when you're really saying let's try something different do most business owners or most uh you know entrepreneurs do they respond well to that are they are they having do they have a tough time saying is we're going to try different as opposed to saying is well we tried x y and z why should we try something different
1: so i have a very skewed statistic there because anyone who's working with me has got to be open to it i won't take a client that sent me an email i'll always do an initial consultation and i advise every one of my people who will works with people to do this, anyone who's working in service, where we filter each other. I filter the client as a good match for me and they, I assume, filter me as a good match for them. In that initial consultation, which is free, the client is going to get a sense of my style. I'm going to give them a basic roadmap of what I think I can help them with and how it's going to look. For the most part, the people that work with me are open to different. It's just a part of who I am, my personal brand. So with me, I would say... 85% 85% will. But again, that's super skewed because they're with me. Right. Okay. Most people are not with me. <laughs> so it's right. hard for me to tell you if but most re- people would, it's not easy.
0: Right. It's not easy to get them to say yes, even though the, even with the, in the, within the 85% who are, like you said, are skewed because they're with you. But the people who are, even those people, I'm sure, you know, approach it and aren't, with some hesitation.
1: For sure. You know, I'm very into psychology. I read psychology books for fun. To me, they're all marketing books, but I'll read like tomes. You know, one of my favorite books is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. It's it's a very fat book. To me, it's totally a marketing book. It's not. It's really a psychology Mm -hmm. book, but to me, it's totally a marketing book. And if you understand how the way the brain works, you know, we create these patterns and it's almost like, okay, we have neither wheelbarrows nor mud, most of us. But if anyone can visualize, you ever watched an old movie, you know, visualize a guy, you know, wheeling a wheelbarrow in mud in this like circuitous path. That's what it's like when we have repetitive thought patterns. So if we've been thinking a certain way or doing a certain thing for a long time, and then I say, okay, now take your wheelbarrow and start carving a different path, its not only is it hard to get out of your original path, but plowing that new path is so much harder than falling back to the old one. Anytime we want to change a pattern of thinking, it's like that. And so to ask somebody to change, to ask someone to do something different, you know, well, what's that line from Hamlet? We'd rather bear those ills we have than fly to others we know not of. So I'm going to say to a client, listen, we're going to try different. They're like, listen, Esty, my current strategy has its pluses, has its minuses, but I'm familiar with them. I know right. what they are. This new strategy might be much better, but what, about, what are the problems going to be? You know, So I'll outline all the potentials, but I am never so brazen as to suggest that I know everything that's going to happen. No one does. You know, and yeah. I always say, and Morkai, I think you can really relate to this as a fellow marketer. If you meet a marketer who says, listen, we're going to do A, B, C, and D, and I guarantee you results X, Y, and Z, that he's either an idiot or a liar. Because yeah. anyone in marketing knows that there are way too many variables to control for. So either the guy's stupid and he just really doesn't know what could go wrong and what, what are all the different outcomes that are possible, or he's just lying to you. But anyone who can guarantee... You anything in business, and especially in marketing, one of the most creative business disciplines, they just don't know what they're doing, or they do and they're lying. But anyways, <laughs> so it, I think it's so hard to change for those reasons. Don't get me started on my rant on the marketing charlatans. We'll never ever finish this episode. And marketing charlatans. It's very very hard to change. Yeah, marketing charlatans. Marketing charlatans. Oh my gosh,
0: oh, I'm gonna have to take so you. Mad. I'm gonna take you up. I'm gonna challenge accepted. Go on, you Go for it.
1: I should talk about the marketing charlatans, total tangents. Go for it. Uh, tell, they make me really mad what, because what I, I hate liars what, and I hate people mad? who take advantage of vulnerable people. What? What makes you mad about them? I see. Tell me about that. what, what makes me mad about them? Oh, so I hate liars. I hate mm-hmm. people, but more than that, I hate people who take advantage of people who are weak is not the right word, but who know less. You know, and if you read oh, I love his books, Daniel Pink in his book on to sell is human excellent, excellent book. highly recommend it. I'm almost done with it. One of the things he talks about is that marketing today and it, it dovetails in so much of what I talk about with truthful marketing that I've been building people do marketers, salespeople um, in general don't have the same information advantage they had in the 70s, 80s, and for sure before that. You know, and that stereotypical used car salesman, he knew it was a lemon. You had no way to find out. Now, you just plug in the VIN number, you know everything the car has been through. If anything, the information advantage is on the customer. Most people come in to a sales interaction way more educated than maybe the salesperson is. They know the prices of all their cars and all the competing cars and all the stats and all everything. And I think the, one of the few places that the salespeople or the marketers still have a very heavy information advantage is in marketing for sure in online marketing. um, It's very, very strong, but even not online. Let's give you an example. One of my guys, (laughs) this really blew me away. I'm like, you work with me. How could you do this? He goes to me and he's like, I was on a radio show. I'm like, oh, that's great. Which one? He's like, I don't know what it's called. I said, okay, well, where could I hear it? He's like, you can't. I said, what do you mean I can't? I said, where's the replay? He said, oh, there's no replays. I said, so you were on some kind of live radio show? He said, yeah. I said, okay, where did it play? He said, well, it's online. was online wasn't there a replay. Where is it hosted? He said, "No, it just runs on this channel." He said, "But they really interviewed me." I said, "How much did you pay for this?" "Oh, just a few thousand dollars." Oh, it's like, are "You joking? <laughs> you like recorded in someone's basement, and they're like sitting there laughing, and spending your few thousand dollars on marijuana? Like, what is wrong with you?" Uh, wow, well, you know, uh, just like this pretend stuff. Some of it is people who are really, really charlatans. You know, they really are out there taking advantage. These guys who offer. And again, you know all of this because you're very well versed in all of digital marketing. But these guys who offer, you know, SEO services, oh, they're going to do SEO on your website, but they never even get the login to your backend because they're super doing SEO without that. So they never change any of the text. They're not doing anything for organic SEO. Their ad words are barely based on having on anything that has anything to do with you, and then they charge you both for their setup and per lead generated that you never convert to a client. Or here's another company that one of my clients spent $57,000 in PPC ads on Facebook, okay? Never mind what they paid the company in ancillary costs, and they made they they made sales. Okay, so they made sales. Uh maybe it was like $8,000 in sales, something like that. $8,000 in sales, $57,000 in ad spend not including the company because the company created a whole set of PPC ads that directed people directly to a purchase page. So out of the millions that they reached, they made a couple thousand in sales, but you don't do PPC ads for something that goes directly to a purchase page for an unknown product. This is not magnetiles and this is not on sale. Like, okay, if you want to put MagnaTiles on sale and then go run because I'm a parent, okay? So <laughs> you're going to go and run in a PPC ad campaign, MagnaTiles half price, send it straight to a purchase page, you're good. You're golden, okay? The same way if you did like a Gucci belt on sale like that, okay? It would work because the thing is branded. When you take this unknown online product and you start running a whole set of... and. I don't know if the company, because again, I got the clients, I get a lot of clients sometimes after they've been burnt, but like, oh, I just spent thirty thousand dollars with this other branding agency that really messed me up. What can you do for I have like five left. I'm like, you know, I could have done more with the 35, okay, than the five, but thanks. I can still do something with five though. I'm good like that. I don't know if the company was really trying to trick them or they're just foolish. And so I think sometimes the charlatans are really out to get you, like that radio thing. That radio thing had to be a massive scam. Some of these SEO guys are total scams. And some of these, I think, are just people who don't know. They don't know enough about marketing. I have a course called Marketing for Marketers that actually teaches marketing strategy to graphic designers, social media people, a lot of the frontline marketers that small businesses will come to who they expect to know marketing, but marketing is not the same as graphic design or copywriting. So kind of teaching them strategies to understand what they're doing. Nobody, no graphic design company, no social media marketer should ever, ever be making a campaign for an unknown product, service, or person that goes to a purchase page with no funnel, with no retargeting, no pixel. Come on.
0: Yeah, that's now we're now we're getting somewhere. Now I'm trying to now I, I got you going. You got you heated up.
1: So, uh, <laughs> it makes me so bad because it's because when you run a small business, that money is the person's food. Right. It's their clothing. It's their family vacation that they deserve to take. And it, it's not. You know, I once sat at a table with a guy who worked. I'm not going to say it, for one of the, the big consulting firms. And I was like, Oh, cool. You also do business consulting. And we were chatting and he basically said to me, he's like, SD, like you give business consultants a bad name. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Cause I'm very good at being dispensable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone will come to me, we'll work three to six months, get them off the ground. If they're not making more money by then, I don't know that they should really stay with me, but it almost doesn't happen. Right. Um, and if it does, there's usually a very good reason because you shouldn't be spending money with me forever. I have clients that are with me for eight years. They come back, they go, they come back. You know, they need updates, they're expanding. I've had a guy, we've gone from freelancer to franchise. So it's not that I'm going anywhere, but you need to see actionable results quickly. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, in our company, we only make our contracts a year at a time. And we try to make sure at the end of the year that there's no way the client could cancel it. They need to need us.
0: I say the same thing with my company. Um, You know, in our company, I say, if we're in six months, if we're doing our work, it's great. But I'd rather know that my success is that at some point, someone in-house, or either you tell me we want to hire someone in-house who does your work. I think that's great. That means you've scaled enough to get to that point, or you're at a point where you understand what we're doing and we've educated you enough in the time on the team to say is we need someone who can do it more than just you know the amount of hours that you're giving us. And then I'm like, yes, because that to me is successful. I don't need to be working with a client for six, seven, eight years doing what we're doing. It's not because we don't want to, I'd love to do it more than that, but it's more important to them to learn the skills themselves and, or find someone in-house because that means their company is growing. And that means we've succeeded together as a team. So to me, totally. I, I, I mean, I'm, people think I'm crazy. I'm like, you know what? It's, I don't want to be doing, not that I mind doing Facebook ads and Facebook posts and content writing and things like that. It's I want the client to understand that these things can be done in-house and they can be done together with us. We can get them to the point where they understand how all of digital is connected. Your keywords, your ads, your Instagram hashtags, your, you know, your posts, your whatever you want to call it, everything is connected. And when you look at it that way and you put every piece together like a puzzle... All of a sudden, it's not just oh, I'm going to have a content writer, and then oh, I'm going to have an SEO guy. You look at it all together. I'm like, when you look at it that way, and you can get all the pieces of the puzzle together. Even you know whether I help one person on the team or help the entire team, it doesn't have to be me. It could be someone in house looking at it from that holistic approach. And that's the same thing. With sure. the, it's the same thing with the business. When you look at it and says it's, it's not just you know yes, we want to get to actionable results, actionable results, and we get to those actionable results. Excuse me, quickly. But when we get to them quickly or at a certain time frame, then if we've succeeded, that's the, that's the proof that this is valuable. If we haven't succeeded, and we can look and see why we haven't succeeded, maybe it doesn't. Ha- I mean, we should, maybe we have to fine tune it a little bit more, and we have to get you know move along. But we don't. If I can step out, and you're still growing and you're still succeeding, that's success. That's the best success.
1: Totally. And I've built other companies' in-house marketing teams. I've built full marketing teams, and then I take a back burner role, and I'm still there, and I'll come in every few months and check on things or do an updated strategy. But I get tremendous. Like we just launched someone's Instagram, right? We grew like 2000 followers in a few months, really, really built it up. And then we handed it back to the client and she's grown another thousand followers in the last right. two months. And I feel great. I am thrilled. She's like, I said, I need to hand this back to you. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, no. I'm crazy. Right. She's like, I said, I need to hand you money. I'm like, no, keep the money. You're doing such a good job.
0: Right. I think, I think people, I think that's what, I think that's where custom I mean, small businesses, especially are very, you know, they're obviously careful to spend their money because, you know, like you said, every, every dollar they spend is their vacation, their food, their car, whatever it is. So they carefully. Mm-hmm. And that's why it
1: makes me so mad. It's not like these giant consulting firms that are like, you know, making six or seven figure contracts with these seven, eight figure, nine figure businesses. These are small businesses. When you take advantage of them, you're taking their pocket money, their kids' money, their tuition. Like, it just makes me so angry. You look at the big, big businesses structured, and you try to do that for a little guy, and it's different. The right. strategies have to be different. The costs have to be different. The way you interact have to be different, and that, that's part of what makes me so mad when people don't work that way, and, and they take things from others that are really not right.
0: Right. That is... Absolutely. And I'm sure you've gotten your fair share. We all get our fair share. Some people say is we've spent money on Facebook and we've gotten, you know, screwed or we've gotten bad results. And then you look back and you see that they've only spent like a hundred dollars. We've all seen those sides. And then you look at the people and say, is we spent a lot of money, but we have zone results. And then we say, is, well, what did the person do for you? And go back to your marketing charlatans, you know, you know, term. And they kind of say, is, well, we got, we hired this company. And then you look at back and the company, didn't really do very much. They just took their money. So we have those people as well. Totally. <laughs> and
1: Totally. And I got, you know, one of my clients sends me these proposals she gets because she's still looking for something that I really think she already has. And so I've been trying to show her that she knows so much of this, but these companies make these packages, you know, and it looks so pretty and it looks so shiny. And so I walked her through it. I said, I just want to show you 95% of this. You have what they're calling. This is this for you. What they're calling that is that for you. What they're calling this is this for you. And they're going to go and generate leads and you don't have a sales funnel and no, Oh, we're on this proposal is a proper sales funnel, so you're right. going to pour a ton of money into leads, and you have no way to convert it to sales. She's like, oh, and th- and that's that's the problem there. So we're working on a sales funnel. So, is is set up and functional, right? Because right. there's a process from setup to functional. It's not like oh, it's up, it's working. No, it's up, and then we test and we iterate and we test or ABCDEFG test or whatever we're going to need to do. And once it's working, then you want to invest in a company that can really generate leads. Great. But process. understand all the moving parts of this. Don't be taken advantage of. Right. Absolutely. I'm actually running a course. Oh, I forgot about this. Okay. So I ran this course in the summer for the frontline marketers. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to be running a course in the fall of 2018 um, for the business owners called Marketing for Non-Marketers. I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to call it. We'll see. And it's basically a cross between do-it-yourself marketing and don't be taken advantage of by the charlatans. It's both because it's going to teach you how the whole thing works. Parts of it you'll be able to do yourself and parts of it will just educate you enough that nobody can come and take advantage of you with their pretend radio show or their you know thousands of dollar Facebook ads or any of these things because you'll understand how the thing works. You'll understand the right questions to ask and what to expect i'm excited
0: about that so even, like, even in that statement alone it's just understanding their you know just the basic understanding gives the person a little bit of a a, a leg up in terms of being able to you know kind of filter out what we we'll call it the noise of what people are selling or saying or not saying just because they understand and they can ask a few poignant questions about you know whether it's marketing you know digital or traditional, whether it's, you know, PR, you know, whatever it is, they'll understand enough to be able to ask some questions that will, they'll be able to, you know, filter out through the noise or the BS.
1: Totally, and also know where they're holding. You know, right. there are stages in your business where PR is extremely beneficial, and there are stages in your business where it's worthless. You can get the best PR, and it's not going to give you anything because you're not set up to receive it. You're not set up to leverage that PR, and and it's the same for everything in marketing. So there are so many moving parts. Just even understanding what kind of practitioner should you be looking into. Are you in a place where you know your sales funnel is set up or you have a repository, the ability to channel PR into real money? Listen, if you just want to be famous, so okay, fine. But I've got a lot of famous clients who can't pay payroll. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not enough to be famous. You actually have to be able to, to convert that fame into dollars in your pocket. And so you know, where you are in your business, in your business cycle are all the pieces lined up. What's that next step?
0: right now i'm gonna ask one last question before we kind of uh say good, good uh, you know part you have clearly spoken about emotions i've tapped into an emotion about you know the marketing charlatans i challenged you for that one um so i tapped into that one for you but when we when we speak to when you speak to clients and i do it you know today i had someone who i could as soon as i hit the button i could feel that they were they flipped around and they i, I could see that they were they got into the zone and they were able to give me the piece of information that i needed from them and it takes them time to get them comfortable how often do you find that the emotions especially with small businesses how often do you find that the emotions uh, are much more involved in what they're in their business process than they really want to uh, admit to
1: Um, so on like a percentage scale, I'd probably say about a (laughs) hundred percent.
0: Well, I was not expecting that number, but okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because even the most analytical technical person, maybe even him the most is driven by an undercurrent of emotions or psychological history that they're not aware of. Um, For someone who's really self-aware, lower. It's the people who are not self-aware where it's much higher. Someone who's really self-aware knows that they're being driven by it, but I think everyone is being driven by a set of emotions or drives, whether you acknowledge them or not.
0: Okay, and when you, when you reckon, when they when you reckon, when you kind of obviously your skill or one of your strengths is to kind of help them tap into that. You're tapping into that like emotion to realize, or either that, or you kind of make them aware of the emotion that's being played here, so that they can, you know, you know. Kind of use it to their advantage as opposed to kind of putting it aside and saying is I don't need about I don't need I don't care about this. Am I right so far?
1: Kind of. so let me give an example where it would play out with like a, an executive versus a business owner. I primarily work with business owners. Every once in a while, I get like a c level executive um either because we're doing like time management or you know staffing strategies um for let's say a bigger company. So this guy came and he was, he was looking to leave his current company and look for a new job. And uh, I don't usually do resume work. I stopped doing it years ago because mm-hmm. for me to do a resume is a few thousand dollars. It means that you really need a personal branding. It's much more than a resume. It's building up a personal brand and a resume, maybe even a personal site. It's kind of figuring out that whole thing you're going to do. And so for this guy, he had just finished a very challenging um, employment and it was it was petering out. He had a couple months before like he knew he was going to be out the door. And what I looked at were the patterns of all of his previous jobs, and I said, you're a savior. You don't realize, but you go into all these jobs where you're a savior, and what happens either is that you save them, and then you're out of a job, or it's beyond you, and then you're out of a job. And so when we're aware, it's not just emotions, but it's our undercurrent, like our drive, Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got patterns. I love patterns. That's part of how I look at systems and database architectures, understanding patterns. When you look at your personal patterns, what are the kinds of work you will typically take? What are the patterns of your greatest challenges, not only in your current business or current job, but in a previous job? You know, and when you find those strengths, those weaknesses, those patterns, so much can become clear to you. You know, even his upcoming job opportunities, I said, by the way, your upcoming opportunities, savior, savior, savior. You're, right. going to be, you're going to be stuck again soon because one of the savior things you can't save. One of them maybe you can, but when you do, then they won't need you anymore and you're going and, to be bored. And, and so understanding that, and I was actually trying to move him towards some independent consulting. I said, listen, consultants are great saviors or rather saviors are great consultants. You come right. in, you save, you move on. Yeah.
0: You know? and, there's um, no, it's, and there's no long-term conne- connection or emotional attachment to it because it's just another way for you to continue playing on your strength.
1: Exactly, and if that's your strength, stop taking these small employment stets, even at super high level positions, and then being stuck because the higher up you go, the harder it is to get hired again. Right. You know, we, we promote um, in corporate America for sure to incompetency more or less, right? Because right? as long as you're competent, you get promoted, and you only stop when you can't do your job.
0: Right. So you're basically you're, and especially with this example, you're you, you played into the, his, you know, you you tapped into his core skill, his strength. And you said, listen, at some point, you're going to have to realize that you can't keep on being the savior and then basically, you know, qualifying yourself out of your own position. Basically, you're saying is, I did my savior job, and now the company is going to say is, well, you did what we needed to do, now I leave. Um,
1: (laughs) Or he gets bored. He gets bored because then it's just like tedium. Like he set it up already. And then, and then what? So we have to also understand like based on your core strength, that's the kind of work you should be doing. So my, my push was, listen, go ahead and work, but I want you to start building consulting on the side. Let's start building that personal brand. Let's start being active on certain social channels. Let's get a personal website up. Let's start taking a couple clients on the side. To supplement right. income. And in the end, that's kind of what we did. What we actually did was we got him two C level positions because his salary requirements were high. And so what we did was we actually took two three quarter positions. Right. Um, don't ask, you know what? It's his time, not mine, how he's going to manage two no, three
0: quarter no. time he, positions. He, the, the truth is, um, if he knows what he's doing and he knows how to save, like you said. He's, exactly.
1: He to it totally save. works. Right. And it by works. the way, it's totally working. This is already right. a couple months behind us. It's totally working. And he's taking a couple clients on the side. Right, and so you know, you know, it, it works, works. exactly. Because right. you're leveraging your strength as opposed to burying your head in the
0: sands about it.
1: Because right. burying your head in the sands, it, it just makes you sandy.
0: <laughs> you don't win. Right. And, and that's really playing onto something that's beyond just uh, a business skill. Like his business skill, might he might have a lot of great business skills, but you, what you did is say is you have a lot of great skills to be a savior, but that's some, just that awareness, helping him to become self-aware of that and helping him to say, "Is yes, I could do that. Plus, take businesses on the side. I could have two, three quarter job positions. Plus, take business job, you know, side come side jobs. All of this and playing into my strength. So that way, when I'm doing all that work, you know, it's basically four or five jobs at a time ta- at, at one time. And then you're the-
1: a consultant. Right. Look at right. that. We just did
0: it. It's all right. set up to go. And you're and you're not doing any, and you're doing what you love. And you're doing, but not only that, it's also doing something that is." you know it's not difficult work for you because you're not tapping out you're not basically employing yourself out or making yourself you know replaceable
1: totally and it's it's also it's strategic right? And right. again, for me, strategy is a plan to reach a goal, right? My goal right. is to have a certain level of income and to not find myself looking for a new job every few years. That's my goal. Um, right. And that that's, that's pretty definable. And when I do goals, I like to really pin them down. But the strategy for that is, okay, now what's a plan to make that happen based on all the moving parts, on all the factors? And so I, to me, it's, to just pinpoint a problem without having a strategic solution. I don't like vague solutions. Like, oh, right. so you should do something either that's not savory or like find a place where you could save them for a long time, which is actually one of my ideas. I said, you need to find a a broad enough company that you can jump from department to department, saving them again and again. Like that's another way we could go. Uh, short of that, so there's got to be a tactical plan for me to be satisfied right. with any of my client work. And I think for anybody, you know, you you have to be aware that there's more than the technical. Once you are, you need to bring back the technical planning piece.
0: Right. So that's where that's where really like tapping into that, uh, we'll call it emotional intelligence of yourself and where you are, where you stand in terms of mm-hmm. yourself in the business, whether it's a small business or you are working within a larger company or even a mid-sized company. It doesn't make a difference if you know where you are and where you want to get to. So you, the technical is put it aside for a second because then you have those strengths and you have that emotional intelligence and you're tapped into it, it's much easier for you to be say, This is where I wanna go, and this is where I wanna be now in six months, in a year, in two years. And then you can take your tech, like you said, bring your technical back in and say, How am I gonna use my technical skills, and how am I gonna grow them?
1: Mm-hmm. And like you said, This is where I wanna go, and here's how I'm going to get there.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's where and I think that's, you know, maybe empathy is not the right word for in this case, it might be emotional intelligence, it might be, you know, strengths perspective, which is like a nice clinical term, whatever it is, but it's you're really using your uh, and, and you're also being very strategic about it. So you're you're setting goals that are not just business related goals, meaning I have to reach this amount of sales, but rather, I need to reach this point within I'm aware of what I'm doing. Here I am today, and now here I want to get to in six months, and here I want to get to in a year or two years, and when I know the, that goal and I know what the technical skills I have and what I need to learn, then I can start building a nice, clear goal, and I know it might not be – it doesn't have to be a financial – goal, it might, might not It might not be a financial goal in terms of what my success is. but that no, it might happen. be
1: like a staff turnover goal. That might not right. be financial. I might have a goal that my staff turnover, instead of being 300%, is going to be right. 20%. And how I'm going to get there is definitely going to be based on soft skills. There's right. no way to do something like that any other way. And truthfully, there's no real way to meet, reach the hard goals without soft skills either. Because even if my goal is financial, right, whether it is... A cost-cutting strategy or an a revenue upgrading revenue strategy, for sure. For a small business owner, they're soft skills. And the larger your company, the more you have to know how to manage people, and the more you have to know how to manage yourself.
0: Correct. Thank you. That is exactly what I want to you know kind of end with because that is exactly what that is the goal here is to get people to to realize that you know like you said there's no way to really reach those hard goals those hard attainable goals like whether it's financial whether it's strategic whether it's you know uh customer service whatever it is whether it's your
1: own work-life balance your own peace of mind your own health your own wellness and
0: fitness all of it right exactly and that and those soft skills that some people not some people many people today put aside or still putting aside or still casting aside are really the ones that are the, the fabric of a successful and the foundation of a successful you know, company, brand, small business, large business. doesn't make a difference.
1: Totally. And you know what it is? Because you don't see them. You can right. see someone's numbers. You can see their marketing campaign. You can see their physical product. right? You could see so much. And if it's a larger company, you could see all of their numbers if they're public. But right. you don't see how the business owner treats his secretary.
0: But you do see it, and I'll tell you how you do see it, and I'll give you two examples of how it's in you the see numbers. It. <laughs> you well, know, it's in the numbers, but the first thing is you're right, the numbers will usually tell you how the company is working, and obviously the PR and, and content that's being written about them. That's very easy to see what's what the real underpinnings of the company are. The second one is Stephen Covey. I've been talking about this this I've been talking to this woman um, who's a business owner. Uh, she's a startup per, startup person, uh, from California. She now moved to Israel. Um, she has this, she has this, um, she took a course from Google. Actually, it's about search inside yourself. It's called. And then she actually, uh, pointed me to a book from Stephen Covey about, it's called trust. Um, smart trust. It's called. Um, it's actually, he shows how you can actually smart quant- trust
1: or the speed of trust. I have the speed of trust.
0: No smart trust. It's called, huh, uh, it's called, it's, it's about how the how you can actually quantify? He has like a whole you know formula for it. But how you can actually quantify the soft skills and show how they you know when you are not empathic, emotionally intelligent with your team, yourself, whatever it is, you are actually paying a tax on your trust factor. Um, and he and he shows how the formula works when you're when you, the tax is paid, and you earn more um, revenue slash tax when you're um, actually are more emotionally involved and more emotionally engaged with your team yourself your customers etc so you're actually
1: fascinating doing... okay i gotta yeah. check this out i thought i had every yeah. kobe book that existed apparently i missed one
0: yeah i have the book i haven't started reading it but i just got it i've got like five books that i'm slowly picking up here um but yeah so that's you know i think that is a uh, a great way to kind of like you know kind of Conclude and whatever, but I think it's it's I think people like you said you can't feel you can't touch that number you can't see a number it's not like a just like a number you could say is okay you've grown here you've made lost here you, you you've grown in this aspect of your business so the soft skills are you know not clear to the you know in a black and white spreadsheet but they do uh, you know form the under, under un, the underpinnings or like you said is they are really the, the key to making a really great hard skill more successful
1: amen to that i'm gonna (laughs) agree with everything you just said
0: so essie i want to first of all say thank you for taking the time i know it's been we had like a lot of back and forth ping-ponging for a conversation trying to secure that so thank you um and i'm also going to do is i'm going to put the links into some of the conversations and also through the course that the non the course for marketing for non-marketers um when you get uh, but you can send it to me a little bit of the notes Sure. Um, and, and I think the person you were talking about on your podcast about, uh, Meredith was episode 25. I just looked it up, uh, okay. not 24, 24. So I'll put that in there too. Um, anything else you're working on any fun projects you're working on that, I, uh, you know, the audience would like to hear about. Um, my last guest, I haven't announced it yet. Uh, my, my last guest is working on a couple of new books. some really cool projects. So when he gets, when I go long, live, it'll be cool to hear. Everyone will be excited about that. Cool projects you're working on.
1: So I have this. Um, 139 marketing strategies that we keep upgrading. You can get it on my website. If you go to sdran.com, you can also see the podcast there. So the podcast is one of my coolest projects, by the way, because that's ongoing. Every single week, there's a new episode, Business Breakthrough with SDRan. This is definitely one of my biggest projects, this course. And this it started as this 77 promo strategies because seven is my favorite number. So I'm like, I bet I could find 77 ways for small businesses to promote themselves. And so I started putting them together and I started compiling them. And I even looked online to see if there was anything like this. There is nothing nothing comprehensive like this. There's like, you know, top digital strategies or best um, local or best this, but there's nothing comprehensive to really give you that massive brainstorm that I think um, is so valuable. So we're up to 139. I've got at least another 20 30 At the moment, it's a very basic in spreadsheet format. We are working on a really, like really, really, really cool graphic organizer presentation of it. I'm so excited about it. So people can go to the website, they can download it. And then as mm-hmm. soon as every time we update it, we send out the updates. Every time we add new strategies, every time we update the look of it, make it easier to read, easier to navigate, easier to use, we, mm-hmm. we just send out the newer version. So that's another big project we're having. I guess that's like my book right now. It is. It's like 10 pages. That, that's my current book.
0: So it's like a comprehensive brainstorm for small businesses or businesses in general? businesses
1: in general. There are again, I did put in classical advertising, so television, radio, print is definitely in there as well. But a small business might decide to leverage some classical right. advertising. Again, they're not going to do a Super Bowl spot, but you could do a local ad. Right. You know, so it's it's comprehensive for small and big business. And big business to keep succeeding, they've got to do some small business strategies also. So all of these out of the box guerrilla advertising and it's really just it's comprehensive. I don't know any better way to describe it. You know, anything you would think of it.
0: It's an infographic or it's more of like, just like a, a series of skills or it's going so to be. At the
1: moment, it's a spreadsheet. It's five columns. So it's numbered on the left. And then it says the category. Uh, so I basically broke down promotional strategies into seven categories. So there uh-huh. is uh, direct selling, right? So direct selling is everything from going to a network event to making your business card to dropping off your brochures, places and everything like that. Right. there is digital. Digital encompasses both SEO and search strategies and all different social media strategies. So that's broken down there as well and all the key platforms that businesses can use today and how to use them. There is happenings. So whether you're running your own event or you're going to other events, leveraging trade shows. So again, a lot of these, it's not that I've invented so many things, right. although a couple are mine, I think, and mine alone, things that I've randomly created over the years. It's that I've compiled everything that's out there into one place because there's nowhere that you can see all these ideas. So most of it is not creation. It's just a, a list that of everything that you might find anywhere. Um, okay. So that was three categories. Then there is others. So leveraging others, whether it's influencer marketing or it's PR or it's being a guest on someone's podcast. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Uh, It's all the different things where you could leverage it. Because what is promotion? Promotion is the act of getting your target market's attention. You've got to then convert that into sales. And we take that through the sales process. But just to get people's attention. And of course, it only works if you're getting the right kind of attention of the right kind of people for the right kind of thing. And there's more to it than just getting someone's attention because we could all get people's attention. But all the different ideas to get people's attention from free to thousands of dollars are in there. So yeah, at the moment, it's it's in a spreadsheet format. It is in the middle of turning into infographics. That is what we're doing with it right now. We're doing one infographic per category. Uh, okay, so that's not true. We're doing at least one infographic per category. The best way to give it across is what we're working on. Because again, spreadsheet works for some people. It definitely still helps you brainstorm and gives you that list and making it more aesthetically pleasing, more graphically and more intuitive is the next steps for this thing.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so you've got three amazing projects besides the podcast, which you know I'm a big fan of. You've got this marketing course, which is coming up. I can't wait to hear more about it. Uh, and you have this comprehensive brainstorm for business, which is basically everything a company, whether it's small biz or small small business, large business, and anything in between, that they can help. They're kind of like ideas of what they can do to help get themselves. Uh, more be more successful in the marketing sales whatever it is so those three things are quite um, no those are cool projects in my eyes um, and very comprehensive just like a broad stroke of everything I mean some of it is your own promotion some of it is promoting to help your own clients plus bringing new clients and the other one is just more helping to provide like thought leadership in terms of businesses in general how businesses can promote themselves in general so it's not only you just giving saying is here's give me more business, but rather here's how you, you can make yourself more business. Totally. Awesome. Well, SD, thank you so much for your time. Um, I look forward to uh, p- p- publishing this one. And I really thank you again for this conversation. It's really been helpful to help people understand from the small business perspective, how important it is to have those softer skills. So thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having
1: me. This was super uh, fun.
0: Thanks I for getting me all been.
1: riled up about the charlatans. Uh,
0: Uh, I'm I'm actually going to be using that one. That's going to be a good one. So thank you so much. And I, uh, I look forward to being in touch and sending you the link to this podcast. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.